Um, so, uh, Raj Bhumi asked, um, he said, would like to ask Guru Maharaj to speak on the importance of the qualified student to facilitate the qualified teacher and what constitutes a good question to inspire the guru to give the best answers. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> okay. That was that's the question from Fred Boomy. That's a good question. I see. Well, um, according to um the um it said um that um, um, the um, disciple, the student, should approach the guru in pursuit of a comprehensive solution to uh, the problem that material existence constitutes. Mm -hmm. So that's a high bar of, of interest, if you will. Um, but it, 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 in, in, at least I, I guess it would have to um, prevail or be predominant, if not a burning um, and exclusive orientation on the part of the disciple. So otherwise, I mean, for other solutions relative to different problems, there are all kinds of people to, uh, to go to or uh, to rely upon your own um, experience, intellectual capacity, physical abilities, and so on and so forth. So there's a problem that underlies all the problems, if you will, the disease that all the problems are symptoms of. So when we speak of wanting to make a comprehensive solution, it's kind of that sattvic sensibility or intelligence that doesn't enable one to be comfortable in a world that um, doesn't endure or in the pursuit of something that, that, that doesn't endure. So uh, that's the basic um, idea. Um, um, I've written about that in the first chapter of my book, Sacred Preface, at the, in the very first chapter at the beginning. Subject comes up, Bande Guru, where Krishna Skaviraj offers his obeisances to the guru principle, his gurus. But um, that, uh, having said that, then, so, you know what, the, the questions that are obviously people come with often with that in mind, but a lot of other things in mind. They're looking for a group, they're looking for some friends, those that might happen. Uh, uh, they're looking for a father sometimes. Uh, everyone wants a herd bull, you know, most people to uh, rally around and be, to, uh, so that they're looking to stop having stop thinking so that someone will just think and tell them this is right, this is wrong. And all of those uh, motives are getting away. They're problematic, ultimately. Um, so um, given what I'm saying about the, the, the underlying or driving uh, disposition, concern, necessity of the student that fits with someone who's giving a comprehensive, who affords uh, a, a comprehensive solution by representing the revealed texts and so on and so forth. So a person who is, the more ones in that space, the more they're going to ask questions that are related to that. Now they could be, in one sense, there would be question, well, what does the scripture say? What does it mean here? Hmm? So they're availing themselves, the students, of the scripture that the guru represents, the Veda Mata, that the guru, you know, in this sense, the father uh, represents in a living and a dynamic way. 
So if their questions are drawn from what they've been availing themselves to, that the sacred texts, the, the theology and so forth, um, then those questions would be more enthusing, I would say to the group. But that said, a lot of times those types of questions tend to be just intellectual curiosity. Mm -hmm. I remember Puttipachita Marsh once saying on his veranda that I'm not an information board here, uh, just coming for information to collect. Um, but uh, so, so that's the very subtle uh, issue where the questions seem to be about the scripture and all, but they're, they're not about how can I actually change. Prabhupada used to say that he only had one question to ask his guru. How can I serve you? That's not an easy question to really ask in the real sense of the term and, and to really embrace and be prepared to let go of whatever else you may be um, thinking is, is important. Um, and, you know, what really uh, the practice is, is, is what is important. The philosophy is meant to fuel the practice, but a lot of times it just becomes a head thing um, and it doesn't translate into using your head with the help of scripture to soften the heart through uh, the practices. I remember I had a student once who was quite smart and able to capture the scripture and so forth, but um, his chanting was like so I recorded it for him without him knowing and played it back to him, helped him know that he, that he wasn't going anywhere fast. Um, I remember it reminds me of the a story I've told before. I was speaking with Pramod Puri Goswami Marsh. I was with Pramod Puri Goswami Marsh in Vrindavan. And someone was asking some question about Raghunuga Bhakti. And at the time, with regard to that particular question, I don't remember the details of it, but he answered, Baba, he said, uh, you got to chant without offense. You're not going to get anywhere without that. Why don't you work on that? Work on that. And so, so, so many answers will come that will, that the answers that cannot even be put in words will come. The answers, you know, there's a song I'm reminded of. Uh, I wanted to say I love you, but the words got in the way. <laughs> so, one has to be careful about that, right? When we even inquire from scripture, we're not just there to satisfy our curiosity, our intellect, and so forth. So questions that are pertinent to one's progress and advancement, um, obviously um, those will be more um, enlivening to the speaker, to the guru figure. So, I hope that helps. And the guru is then, you know, is supposed to have, well, a comprehensive understanding of the scripture. And that means not just, just collecting a bunch of information either and memorizing it and being able to repeat it and so forth, but to be able to think about what it really means and how it applies um, it, 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 so that it's not just mechanistic, mechanical, cut and dry, it's a living, living thing. And we get that some, obviously to some extent from Parampara. Guru Parampara is, is repeating what is said before. That's true. But it's more than that. It's more than more than just repeating what has been said before. It's 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 living the theory and explaining it from living um, well ex experience, which is going to be cause it to come out and sound sometimes a little different than it is just written down, you know, 500 years ago. Um, so those are some thoughts on that. I hope that helps. What else? Um, let's try to go back to Kanu Ram. Okay. Let's see if we can hear him. How about now? Can everybody hear me okay? I can hear you and the sounds around you. Okay, good. 
It's around sound. Um, I can hear it. Yeah. So Heather and I were reading the other night from the second Bhagavatita. Second chapter of Bhagavad Gita. Well, you just dropped out there. Can't. You might want to write it down because uh, although we've got the uh, audio solved, you're frozen. So in that sense, we don't. We don't see you moving, living, breathing or hear you speaking. So we got as far as the second, I think it was the second chapter of the Bhagavad Gita that you and Heather were reading. I'm um, messaging him just in case you didn't hear that. Um, we can go to Pedro while we're waiting him for him to write out his question. Okay, Pedro. Okay, so Pedro says, hello, Maharaj, good morning. So the last time you taught, uh, the last time you said you talked with Krishna, can you tell us more about it? Was it a dream? What did he say? Oh, Krishna speaking? Yeah, I think so. Uh, he said, watch me dance. What was that you broke up? He said, watch me dance. Oh my gosh, you broke up again. Can you say it again? Sorry. He said, watch me dance. Uh, is that good? <laughs> That's what he said. Jagannath Swami. Watch me dance. Pretty good anyway, uh, I had gone into the temple and uh, this was in, in Prophet's temple in Los Angeles that he called New Dwarka. He called it New Dwarka because, oh, for his, from his perspective, um, coming from West Bengal, and this was, of course, in 19, early 1970. So uh, he uh, was like a big city, you know, metropolitan headquarters for Prabhupada and his mission, New Dwarka. New Dwarka was a metropolitan location for Krishna and his princely Leela. But um, um, we had an RT ceremony that was last one of the night, I think it was like eight o'clock or 8.30 at night. So in those days I used to go out and uh, distribute Prabhupada's books. And so I came back this night and I, quickly changed to see the Lord before he took rest. And that was an arty that was usually not attended by anyone, practically, not for neglect, but because of other services and so forth. It kind of just went together with putting the deity to rest. Sometimes some devotees would come, but anyway, I went, there was no one there. And prostrated myself before uh, Jagannath's altar and then um, he began uh, to dance along with Krishna, with Balaram and, and Subhadra, and um, was a very profound uh, experience for me. And um, as I said, looks like he could speak any language, so um, he communicated his, his uh, joy of dancing and it was very, um, that was my first experience of this. And I was very uh, overwhelmingly humbled by that and wept and wept and wept. And I went and in those days we had, well, there was a parking lot connected with the temple. And uh, I went inside a car or a van, I think it was a car, maybe a van that was empty and just crawled down onto the floor. And, uh, uh, just overwhelmed. I would say the overwhelming experience was the humility of the graciousness, how gracious, how kind, how merciful um, Krishna is. Um, and uh, I, I, this is the more I've spoken about this probably than, than in past. I think I've told the story a little bit, but 
I was um, so subsequently my experiences have been like that. That's very humbling. Um, and uh, th that's why I think there's a tendency on the part of devotees not to speak about these things very much, but some, you know, there may be cases where it may be useful, um, helpful. Krishna Skabirash Goswami um, does that in Chaitanya Charitamrita, speaking about how Nityananda Prabhu appeared to him in a dream and spoke to him and told him to go to Vrindavan, where all his desires would be fulfilled and so forth. <clears throat> and he says, this is like the secret, uh, like the Vedas that should not be recited anywhere and everywhere, uh, like a secret mantra, you know, and I shouldn't impart it, but if I don't impart it, well, the people won't know the, the measure of Nityananda Prabhu's mercy that to a fallen person like me, he did this, he picked me up. Very powerful, it's a very, very powerful confessional kind of uh, writing in, 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 in Chaitanya Charitamrita. So, um, you know, I felt like that. Uh, I hadn't read that at that time, that book was not published, but the feelings of Krishna's Kaviraj as they're expressed there, they correlate with my own. So I trust it wasn't uh, a hallucination. So, what else? Abrigado for your question. Thanks for sharing. Um, okay. Uh, so, Kanaram hasn't messaged me yet, but Gayatri did, so that's good. Um, so, she says, I keep hearing people say chant and be happy. I also hear the holy. I also hear the holy names having the power to eradicate all sin, desires, and misery. Um, but being very attached to material nature, it feels like spiritual bypassing when I hear the first statement being mentioned. What is our responsibility in this? Do we take responsibility for our mental well-being, or do we do the best trying to surrender to completely to Krishna? chanting and expecting everything to happen to us. Can you please elaborate on this statement? Well, I think that the chant and be happy is a phrase coined by Bay Prabhupada. It's kind of Nityananda-esque, if you will, um, who is eternal happiness himself, Nityananda, Nityananda. And um, he seemed to be kind of lighthearted in, in it all, chant and be happy. And he was just so happy that he was convinced that this, this was, a, was a, is their solution for everyone's, um, for the misery of material existence, if you will, that everyone is steeped in. And it's, it's, it's accurate. Um, at the same time, there's another statement that by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, where he's chanting, um, and he's um, unhappy. He's unhappy that he's not crying. He's unhappy that he's not unhappy. <laughs> that uh, I'm chanting, but I'm not weeping. Mm -hmm. um, so there are different ways to think about it, obviously. Um, uh, if we can chant and weep, that we're not weep, that we're not moved to tears by the power of the holy name, because of course the teaching is things are getting, we're letting things get in the way, our attachments, our anarthas, and so on and so forth. Um, that, and then that's very, uh, we've reached a very uh, uh, a developed stage of bhakti, but that can't be done artificially either. And that seems to be where your question is, is, is coming from. I think sometimes, um, despite the emphasis on dependence upon Krishna, which is appropriate, um, that bhakti, let's say central, that chanting, kirtan, uh, being the remedial measure for all the problems and so forth, um, despite such statements and the accuracy of them, we also have to invoke, to let's say use a Christian term, I think it comes from Christianity. God helps him who helps himself. So there's a there, there's a place um, at the same time um, for uh, 
take steps to put oneself in a better position to take advantage of the holy name. So to use a crude example, you know, if I get, uh, and, and nobody seems to have a problem with this, most, most people, that if you get, um, if let's say you break your arm, Paul, break your arm, most devotees would not chant just chant Hare Krishna. They'd go to a doctor and get the bone, you know, put back in its place, whatever, you know, uh, go get some surgery. Um, so can we call such, say, oh, well, like he's obviously, she's not obviously not a Sharanagata, otherwise they just would have chanted and had faith. So I, I, I think that's a misapplication you know, of the, of, of the teaching, you are equipped with intelligence and um, physical abilities, mental abilities, and so forth. They should be used in the service of God. Your body as a sadhaka is a sadhaka deha, so it's a work in progress, and uh, you should take care of it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you can say you're not the body, but we could say, well, that was before, now you are the body, you have a sadhaka deha. That's a that's a that body should be um, should be um, taken care of. It it's, belongs to Krishna. Sanatana Goswami had uh, on his way to Jagannath Puri had uh, coming through the Jarikanda forest or jungle had drink drank drank some water that was contaminated and it was showing up in some way through open sores on his body. And he was coming to Jagannath Puri to have the darshan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who previously had embraced him um, after he had left the government service and dressed himself like a Muslim um, fakir, beard and everything, to, you know, in order to travel through India, preoccupied as it was by the, by the Muslims, and him being now an escapee from the Nawab Hussein Sa's prison and so forth. So anyway, when he arrived at Benares, then Mahabrabhu embraced him. Um, he told Chandrasekhar, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a devotee at the door. They went to the door, there's only this Muslim guy, you know. Mahabrabhu came down and saw him and embraced him. And he was very humbled by, by that. So now he was on the way to Jagannath Puri, and I thought Mahaprabhu was very just, he just can't contain his, his, uh, um, his affection for his devotees, uh, even a lowly devotee like me, he was thinking. But it, it'll certainly be offensive for him to, for me to be, you know, rub up against Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in my present condition with these open sores. So his plan was to throw himself under the Rathiyatra cart. Mm -hmm and committed a form of Vaishnava suicide. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu intervened with his omniscience and said, oh, your body belongs to me, Diksha Kali. At the time of Diksha, you get a body that's Jinmai. Now it's a work in progress, as I say. It's made up of senses. The senses are in touch with sense objects. Much as the, we come in touch with sense objects and employ the senses and the sense objects in the service of the master of the senses, Krishna, well, our identity changes. And as much as we use our material senses for the pleasure of them and the identity that, that, that arises out of them, well, we're fostering the material identity. So this is the art of sadhana, if you will, um, in essence. So it's a work in progress, the, the sadhaka day, but but uh, it's nonetheless, uh, even though not very developed in that regard, arguably different than just the body of a eternally conditioned jiva. Now you're spoken for here, right? Um, so you're in touch with someone of spiritual consequence who can vouch for you, um, your guru, uh, for example. So. Uh, so therefore, as I say, you have a sadhaka deya, and if you understand that properly, then you will use the, your faculties 
faculties of, of that psychophysiological makeup um, in, the, in the service of Bhagavan. And if it requires some fine tuning, some gas, some, you know, uh, some oil change, uh, this, if you will, then you attend to that. Um, like I said, give the example of broken arms. So I think that uh, you have to bring that into consideration. And, um, and certainly, you know, we're, we're not ad advocating in the name of dependence, sharnagati, uh, surrender to Krishna, um, uh, faith in the efficacy of bhakti. We're not advocating someone apply themselves to a measure that is not, that is unequal to their adhikar, their eligibility. So true beauty, Bhakti Vinodhaka says, he's paraphrasing the verse from the 11th canon of the Bhagavatam, is to act according to your, your, your adhikar. Adhikar means where you are in, in the progress. Mm -hmm. So we may advocate and strongly a very high standard of bhakti that would apply to, for example, uh, a renunciate, hmm? a nirapiksha devotee. Hmm? Uh, but it can't be that that can't, that's an ideal. It can't be applied to the average householder by comparison who has concern for the daughter, uh, for the livelihood. I mean, living under a tree like Madhavendapuri, you know feeding as people provided, seeing that as prashadam, Krishna's giving me, here's my prashadam, Krishna's feeding me through this person. Uh, this, the, the life of a, of a, of a yati, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, that is in a way emphasized, if you will, but it should be understood as, as something standard that you will evolve to, to or toward to, you know, in due course uh, by understanding where you're at now and applying yourself accordingly. So I often say, you know, like you go to the mall, you want to go to room 108, you look at the map, it says it's over here and it says you are here. So there's where you want to go and here's where you are. You have to understand both and apply yourself accordingly. How householders will, can, will apply themselves in terms of sharanagati will be different than than a monastic, um, the ideal, the pursuit, the, the aim uh, is the same. So, uh, you know, the, there's there's considerable room for um, paying attention to your mental health. I think you you mentioned another such things. And uh, if let's say, for example, I mean, just to give an example, I say, um, okay, you want to practice? Great, you're initiated. Okay, uh, good. Uh, so what the teaching here is, is, is you should just depend on the Krishna. And I'm living here in the hollow of this tree. And uh, there's another redwood right here. And it's got a hollow. And uh, now that you're my student, I'd like you to leave everything behind and live in this tree and, uh, and chant with me. Every now and then, you know, somebody comes by and drops some food and we pick it up. And we figure that's Krishna's mercy. That's how we live, you know, some breadcrumbs uh, or... Uh, you know, obviously, you, you're going to try that for about, you know, not too long before you go crazy, because you don't have the Adi card to do that. Neither will the guru be correct to, to uh, encourage you to, to live by that standard in the name of surrender, sharnagati, give everything to Krishna, and so forth. So, there's, you know, it's a gradual uh, uh, process. It's a practice. It's a road. Hmm? And... Um, at one point, you know, the road is not straight. It's funny because it's it's narrow, but it's it's going like it's it's real curvy like this, and then it becomes straight, but it's not narrow. It's wide, and there's many ways to look at the same verse and rules and regulations turn into realizations. They have practical application. They're not just something that you you memorized stay on the road, you know. Uh, so in, when your practice is, is impeded, if you will, by an artist, um, then the way to overcome those anarthas is strong sadhana, 
So some time should be allotted in the day of all such devotees to try to develop deep samskars for bhakti by, by really focusing on their practice. But then they have to go other things that they have, they have desires they have to tend to, so they go about them and so forth. And they come back to that, come and revolve around that every day. And then gradually that hour to put aside for sadhana that can, will naturally grow. Hmm? So you look at it like that, you know, you're growing a, a plant, a tree, a fruit tree. So gradually it gets bigger and bigger and it overflows into all of your life and you can still go on with all activities, but they're all done from an entirely different perspective, a different motive and so on and so forth. So I hope that helps. Yes, thank you very much, Kumarash. Okay, thank you. Um, yes. Kind of wrong. Yeah. Okay, um, okay. I'll, I'll try it again. Um, so we were, we were reading from the second chapter of Bhagavad Gita, and we were looking at the... Um, a couple of different verses and um, in the toward the end of the second chapter and essentially in um, in one of those verses you're talking about how basically the enlightened person um, interacts with the senses but isn't isn't bewildered by them um, And um, and then later on, like in text number 67, um, Krishna goes on to say, whichever of the roving senses the mind runs after, that sense carries away one's intelligence, just as the wind carries away a ship on the water. And we sort of thought it was a, an interesting order for things, because just a, a moment before, Krishna is talking about the enlightened person who's not bewildered by or troubled by their senses. So. But I, I, I wanted to ask about that in the nature of like becoming an integrated person or a progressive devotee. So how does, how does one, what does it mean to be uh, an integrated devotee who's like both working in the world and like interacting with their senses, but in a healthier way? Well, sometimes the senses, uh in relation to sense objects are compared to uh, to a serpent hmm? so uh, you know you contact the sense objects and you get poisoned hmm? right hmm? you grow and you foster your false sense of identity hmm? um, and that's what your identity is arising out of your senses in touch with sense objects and the experience is related to the mind and it makes determinations. I like this, I don't like that. And a whole identity arises out of it, right? So um, if you, if you, but a serpent is only as dangerous as it has venom. So if you take the venom out, then uh, you can do, you can have all the same interaction, but it um, uh, will not have any, uh, poisonous effects. Mm -hmm. So what is the poison? That's, that's, that's the question. And if we look, for example, at karma being a life of acquisition, and, um, and from there, what fuels the karmic um, pursuit, if you will, is attachment. Mm -hmm. Nishkam karma is where we, we take that which drives the karmic realm out. It takes it out, the activities still go on, but the driving force that perpetuates it and will cause it to continue to go on has been taken out. Probably used to give an example of pulling a plug out of a fan, an electric fan. The fan will go around, but the, but the electricity is no longer feeding it, so it's gonna to come to an end. So Nishkam Kama means that you, you continue to 
work in the world, interact uh, in a classic sense of the Gita, perform the karmic obligations according to your caste um, within the Varnashram. But your what's your driving force is not, I'll get this and I'll avoid losing that. And that's driving you. That's driving you. Hmm? Um, uh, if we take it a step further for devotees, as we should, beyond Nishkam Karma, uh, not being attached to the fruits, taking the fruits that do accrue and offering, you employing them in service. Mm -hmm. So that that is like a beginning of, of, of bhakti, mm -hmm. right? If you will. Um, so, um, the householder has a good opportunity, you know, to do that. Um, he or she is living in the world. There's the idea of Bhakti Vinod, uh, that I saw my house turn into Goloka Vrindavan. Implication, he didn't go anywhere, he didn't become a renunciate, a sannyasi, and he was in a householder, he had many children. He saw his house turning into Goloka Vrindavan, walked outside, and there he saw it in the backyard. He saw the Jamuna. And so, uh, uh, and Radha and Krishna, Ami Jamuna Buddhine, Kiyari Misa Of course, after he went in the backyard, he said, uh, I'm not going back in the house again. <laughs> so, <laughs> with the chance that it might back, turn back in, <laughs> into, into just a, a griha, just a house. So, there's the word griha medi, and there's the word grihasta. Hmm? Griha medi. Prahlad speaks about, you know, he has, she has a Matirna Krishna Pataswatova, Vitovi Padkri, Bupudi, Grihavatanam. He has Grihavrata, a vow, a commitment. A, the, the whole orientation of that person is to, to make it in the world, you know, make my, build my kingdom for myself, you know, my, put my fence up, whatever. A vow, a vrut, a commitment, a, a, a driving force being to, to acquire, hmm? to in, in, uh, in, in, indulge and in, in so on and so forth. So that, that has to be taken out, but everything else can stay in place. Hmm? And what will be replaced by a vrata for sharanagati hmm? to accept what's favorable for Krishna service, to reject what's unfavorable, let this be the driving force. So we have to gradually work to try to cultivate that. And the more we do that, we can we can continue on with everything, inter integrate with the world and, and interact and, and so on. And it won't be, um, we won't be negatively affected. In fact, those things and persons we're in touch with will be positively affected by this the, the, uh, proximity to or association with us. So, I mean, that's not, that's a tall order, but, you know, I've given an example before. Um, well, I'll give you uh, something that aligns with an example I've given before. There was a household man who, uh, the anecdote goes, uh, just got married and he, uh, Bengali, and he went and got the darshan of Gorkashordas Babaji living in some field. And, um, he told him, Babaji Maharaj, I just got married and I wanted your blessing, something like that. So he said, oh, very nice. And, and then he, he, he said, and uh, so uh, you should see your wife as a gopi and your service to her is this, this, this. So, and this is like the total antithesis of how the average person, especially in a, in a more male dominated you know, society, is thinking, I've got a wife now, you know, got myself a servant or whatever. Um, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, he gave a completely operative, uh, you know, kind of, kind of uh, perspective. Um, and the guy just, you know, I don't think he computed with him too well, but, but, um, um, I, I, the way I had talked about it at times is that 
if the householders, for example, sees that he or she, he, let's say in your case, uh, or any anyone's case, he or she, that they, they, they need one another to feel emotionally enough whole, they need one another to pursue a life in general and spiritual life as, 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 as well. You know, it's 99.9% .9 of the people feel like that. And so Bhakti is very generous and very powerful. She can accommodate that. Yoga and Gyan, in the classical senses of these disciplines, they can't do that. Therefore, they recommend you know, Brahmacharya. Brahmacharya, in fact, is, which is celibacy, which is a, uh, you know, is a, one of the, um, you know, prerequisites for yoga, Astanga Yoga and Gyan also. So it's not, it's, but for Bhakti, uh, it's, well, she, she's more powerful. She's Nirguna, not Sattvic. And so you, you, you can be in that situation and still um, uh, pursue Bhakti. Grihe tako vane tako sadahari bole tako. He says, whether you taki, whether you live in a forest or you live in that, it makes no difference. Sadahari bole tako. So, you can emphasize the first part, doesn't make any difference. Sannyasi or household. So I don't respect these sannyasis. But no, that's not the teaching. <laughs> They're always coming around, you know, giving the classes, getting a garland and everything like that, except for that Tripurari Swami. He doesn't take garlands. He's mean. So they, 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 anyway, you don't want to be an envious householder like that. Um, but uh, this, this saying, this is a Bhakti Note song, it doesn't matter. Householder or sannyas, it makes no difference. The teaching is the same. Sada hari bolidako, so sada holid, always. So it's a preoccupation, right? This is this, this your mind has to be, uh, you gotta watch your mind and keep it focused. Uh, so, um, and what on Krishna? So he, he's here. He speaks about chanting the holy name. So the, the two of you need one another, and sometimes the two need a third. They need a, they need a child or two, you know, to feel whole and so forth. So the householder, in a sense, should see I need these are things that I need. These are features, aspects, people in my life, other beings that I need in order to feel whole enough to pursue the practice. Therefore, they are aspects of my own bhakti. And I should regard them as such. And this way you start to transform your whole situation into, uh, into something spiritual. And of course, now you may need the kids, but they may not need you I mean, <laughs> or think they don't. So it's, it's problematic and it's more problematic, to be honest with you, in our times, in our culture, and, and so forth, than it was in the time when Bhaktivinoda could have 10, 12 children and you know be a perfect Vaishnava uh, uh, at the same time. Kids didn't have 10 million choices, you know, to, where to go, what to do, and, and, and uh, adults weren't reinventing themselves at the age of 50 and, uh, and so forth. So you know, there's a downside from a spiritual perspective to modernity, um, there's an upside to that. But it, anyway, so that's a little bit of an aside there, but to, you know, the idea is that you see your whole, you, you gotta turn your house into Goloka Vrindavan, so to speak. Uh, it's easier said than done, but it's not an easy path, but the, that's the idea hmm, of how you can interact with the world. And, you know, who could be the father the great grandfather, I guess I should say, of our whole lineage here, Bhakti Vinod Thakur and our Paribar coming from Bhakti Vinod, he was a householder. Um, and he strongly recommended uh, household life. He, um, I think he was um, disenchanted by a lot of false renunciation that he confronted or was confronted with as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a healthy and safe kind of a situation in a, in a way, yeah, but it's, it's uh, the, the, the task at hand is, is, a, is the same task at hand 
that a monastic has, and it's you know comparatively easy to other paths, but after all, it is it is the highest mountain <laughs> to climb. So, so yeah, don't be neurotic about it. Prabhupada was just, you know, he would be, he would say, if you get, you know, be a lawyer, be the best lawyer, the doctor, be the best doctor, if you're going to be a builder, be the best builder, if you're going to be a dairyman, be the best dairyman, you know, if you're going to be a teacher, like your wife's a teacher, be the best teacher. Now, how, what's that, you know, be the best, what you, you have to study and, and you know, the teaching and, and perfect your trade, but not just to get ahead, not just to be, to, to be that's not going to be your driving motive, just that I'm going to get the promotion and this, but just to be the best at it and, and and be the best at anything i think one has to be a little selfless um, um, and understand that ability in in persons as the gita says krishna uh, krishna says i am the ability in men and women mm -hmm. that, 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 uh, then you will you will stand out mm, in the eyes of others mm, and this is Prabhupada's idea. They'll ask you what you're like, where, where are you from? And you'll invite them to your home and they'll see how you live and they'll become devotees. <laughs> so, so that's, that's, uh, that's what the, the ideal is, if you, if, if you will. Hope that helps. If they come to the house and they, they also find Galoka, then they'll be impressed. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, you know, it speaks to us about the householders, especially living in the world, have a chance to really showcase how spiritual life plays out in terms of one's humanity. Mm -hmm. Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he said that the essence of Dharma, Sarva Dharma Sar, the essence of Dharma, the cream of the milk of Dharma, is two things Jive Doi Krishna Nam, Sarva Dharma Sar. So Krishna Nam, to chant Krishna Nam and Jiva to be kind to others. Now, what he means by this, not that being kind to others, feeding the poor, helping the refugees, um, as may be the case, is an anga of bhakti. It's not an anga of bhakti. It's not listed in 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 Bhakti or Samrita Sindhu. And Prabhupada would often you know, emphasize this point. We're not doing material welfare work. We're doing para-upakar, transcendental work by giving bhakti to people. You know, we don't have time for um, opening just a soup kitchen or, you know, uh, this uh, material cause or that material cause. These are all symptoms of the disease. That's all true and accurate. What he said, that, that, that's right. Um, but it's not... It, it, it can be just taken and misunderstood at the same time. My godbrother, um, one of my godbrothers was standing, I've told this before, on the balcony in Calcutta when Prabhupada was there and they looked down, there were some beggars there, you know, one of them had his hand cut off, you know, and begging on that basis and so forth. And he turned to Prabhupada and said, Prabhupada, sometimes I actually feel sorry for these people. And Prabhupada looked at him and said, why only sometimes? So he's thinking, I know it's Maya to feel sorry for them because of their karma. Hmm? But sometimes I do, I have to admit it. <laughs> so what Prabhupada is saying is, if you really understand this, if you're really involved in this, that's going to be implicit. That's going to arise in, within your humanity in the context of your bhakti, which is loving God, who is in everyone, hmm? who everything is the, is, is the extension of. Hmm? Um, all the jivas, Mahavishnu makes the jivas, they're himself in, in atomic form. The one has become many. Um, so uh, if you're actually progressing in bhakti, this, your humanity is going to show up in, in this way in terms of, for example, compassion for others, kindness. So when in the context of your bhakti, that opportunity arises to show compassion. Mm -hmm. Aside from, you know, just uh, some devotional activity, then naturally you show it. The problem would sometimes give donations to beggars on 
and this and then and then he'd stop at the light and the beggars come up in India and he would give they tell him tell him give some rupees to them and so forth. So um, uh, the householders have the chance to really be because they're living in the world humans and, and engage in all the human activities they do in such a way that people really become attracted. That's a real, you know, human. That that's like what humans should be like. So what humans should be like in the best sense of the term, not selfish, not egotistical, um, self-centered, psychologically balanced, all these, this, this should all be coming out, if you will, as a as a byproduct of your, you know, your 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 proper um, appropriate uh, orientation to bhakti and, and, and practice of bhakti. So, some thoughts on that. Uh, hope that helps. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you for all your guidance, Guru Maharaj. Thank you. Good question. Yeah. So, that was a really long answer. I don't know if I, maybe there's some other questions pending that I missed. Uh, we have a couple minutes. Yeah, um, Brigu had a question. Okay, Brigu. I sent Brigu a question. I sent uh, you a question. You should check your email. Oh, okay. Uh, sure. um, my godson, Mathura, is coming to visit us uh, tomorrow and he'll stay for five days. And he wants to study uh, uh, important verses of the Bhagavad Gita with me. And I was thinking, since he'll stay for five days, we could maybe do 10 verses or so. Uh, I have, of course, some ideas of, of what verses to pick, but I was thinking to ask you, what would be your choice of, of favorite verses or best, most important verses? Well, there's any number of ways to think about that and relative to, you know, to, to the person that you um, want to share them with. But what comes to my mind, um, of course, is the Chatur Shloka of the Gita, but, which is four verses. But I would look and see also verses that are the theme of the Gita, of Ananya Bhakti, that keep showing up. Ananya's Chintayantomam, they're spread throughout. See if you can put together 10 of, 10 of those. Um, I think that would be good because that's you know the, the, what the book's really about. Many other things are said there. The teaching is, as for about Ananya Bhakti, is taught directly and indirectly in those direct statements. I would look you know, for, for verses um, like that, out of which everything else will come if that's the central focus of understood as a central focus of one's practice. Does that help? Yes, thank you. I'll do that. Okay. Okay, thank you. Anything else? Any other short question? Um, I don't, don't have, have anything else. Yeah. Okay. We're out of time anyway, so perfect. Thank Anyone you. Else? Okay. I hope to be with you again soon. Haribo. Haribo. Thank you. Oh, oh is this another question? Oh, maybe you can save that red me for um, next week. Um, going with the announcements. Um, so obviously classes are different now. There's going to be a class um, on the 22nd on Wednesday with Shamananda. Um, yeah, so that's, and then we're back here for the Swamital. Um, okay. Alrighty. Well, I will see all of you virtually. Thank you. Hi, both.